Thanks for joining us at our Foothills Church podcast. We exist to help people find and follow Jesus. If you're new here, we'd love to connect with you at foothills.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. About a couple of weeks ago, I had to go to the dentist because they had, um, I had an old filling that was, was kind of given a little problems and it was becoming another cavity there. Anyways, they had to get me in there and take the old one out, put a new one in. And so when you, if you've ever been in those situations, you know, the first thing they do after they seat you in that chair and set you, lean you back is they take that syringe and they just kind of fill you up with Novocaine. And uh, it's, it's slow to, at, at, at the first, you sound like, did it even work? And then slowly you feel like you're, you're getting a little numb, and before you know it, it's like, man, I can't feel anything. It was so bad, I, I was thinking, am I drooling? I'm not even sure if I'm drooling because I couldn't feel anything. Couldn't feel my teeth or my tongue or my face or my nose. It, was, it worked really good, and so they did the work. I didn't feel a thing. It, it was awesome being numb in that situation. Are you with me? Have you ever done that? It's, 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 sometimes it's really good to be numb, to not feel anything in those situations. On the other hand, have you ever had the experience where numbness wasn't quite as good? Maybe you slept funny, you had your arm underneath you, and you woke up, and your arm was like dangling, and it was dead, and you couldn't do anything with it. It's just like, this, it's like, is that even my part of my body? Because it's like doing its own thing over here. And that could be dangerous because you have no sense of pain. But let me tell you another time when numbness is not good, and I see it all the time. It's this idea of having relational awareness. There are some people that are totally numb to that. They are so oblivious to the fact that relationally things are not good. And every single relationship that those people have they seem to bump heads. There's tension and friction and everything. It doesn't matter if their spouse, their kids, their coworkers, their boss, their classmates, the on and on the list goes. And if you were to ask them, again, they're totally numb to this situation. You'd ask them, how come you're having all those problems? Here's what they would say. Because I'm surrounded by really hard to get along with people, not realizing that they are the common denominator to all of the problems. There is... A numbness when it comes to relationships. We're in a series called Through the Looking Glass. And the whole idea behind this series is trying to discover our identity in Christ. Because that's really where our identity is found. And a lot of us have tried to find our identity in other things and only to find out that that didn't really work. And so in this series, we've been looking at different aspects of that. And today, we're going to take it a step further. We're going to talk about how our identity, understanding who we are in Christ, how that affects the people around us, and how if we get this right, we can have better relationships. And we're going to go to Matthew chapter 22, and we're, here's the context of what we're going to be looking at. Jesus is in a conversation with some Pharisees, and if you've been around, you know the Pharisees are kind of like, if, if we had the music, it'd be the bad guy music, because they're always out there, and they're, and they're nitpicking, and they're always trying to trap Jesus. They don't like Jesus, and uh, he's got a little tension in that relationship, but it's because of them, and so they're trying to trick him, and they come up, and they pose a question to him in Matthew chapter 22, and his answer is actually pretty familiar for a lot of people. And we're only going to look at a few verses. In verse 36, we'll pick it up there. Here's what they say. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? In other words, what's the most 
And the Old Testament, what's the most important commandment? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Everybody say it together. Love your neighbor as yourself. We've all heard that, right? He said, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. He said, if you were going to sum up all the Old Testament law, it would take, you, could, you could bring it down to these two points. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And we're going to key on that last part of it, love your neighbor as yourself. I want to submit to you that I believe that one of the reasons most of us don't have good relationships or the best possible relationships we can have is because we've never learned to love ourselves. What does that even mean? And yet it's an often overlooked part of what Jesus says here. We focus on, you know, loving God and loving others, but we forget that the measure that we're to love others is the way that we love ourselves. If we don't get that right, then it's going to come out in the relationships we have. If I don't love myself, then I'm going to take that whatever I'm lacking here and I'm going to put that on the relationships out there. So let's break this down. And what I wanted to do today is I wanted to make this so practical that nobody, if you've never opened a Bible in your life, I want it to be so practical that you could walk out of here and say, you know what, I think I can apply that to my life today. What we call around here is we're taking the Bible off the top shelf and putting it in our laps. We're going to see if we can't just take God's word and see what he has to say about this whole idea of loving others as we love ourselves. Well, let me give you just two simple, practical steps here, and really they're statements. The first one is this, it's hard to truly love God or others until I learn to love myself. It's hard to love God or love others until I learn to love myself. Now, I want you to notice that there was a flow to the relationships when he was asked the question, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind, all right? So we see this order. The first thing is God. It's always God. Secondly, love your neighbor as yourself. So the flow is this, that we're to love God, others, and ourselves. Someone once put it this way, using the acrostic joy, J-O-Y, Jesus, others, yourself. And here's what I've figured out in my life as I've walked with Jesus now for, I don't know, almost 40 years, and here's what I've figured out is that whatever area of my life I want it to be at the highest pinnacle, I need to put Jesus over that. Have you noticed that? Like, if I I want to have a great marriage, I need to put the priority on Jesus first and then my spouse. Whatever area of your life that you want to excel, put Jesus first. And if you want your relationships to excel, Jesus has to be first. It's always, I love God first, then I love my neighbor, and then I love myself. There is a, there's an order. Now, the, the problem, I think, for most of us is that we, we don't really catch this part of it. Like, if I were to approach you, anybody, or you would approach me, but let's just say I came up to you and I'd say, man, I'm struggling relation, relationally with some people. Like, everywhere I turn, I'm seeing like I'm running into problems in relationships. Most of us would give some, um, some, some I think, some good advice. It would base, it'd be all about external enhancements. Things like this. Here's what you would probably tell me. I'm having struggles in my relationship. Here's what you'd probably say. Well, maybe you need to learn to communicate better. 
That's a, good, that's a good thing, right? And it does help relationships. Or you might say, become a better listener, and that'll improve your relationships. It will. Or you might say, learn to spend quality time with those people, and that will improve relationships. It will. Find common interests and share those together. That's, a great, that's great advice. All of those are good, but, but I think here's what we're missing. Then until we get this part that Jesus said, I need to learn to love myself, and then I can love my neighbor. I'm going to love my neighbor as I love myself. The way that really it could improve our relationship is learn to love ourselves. Now, it's got to be in a God-honoring, healthy way, okay? Let's, let's get this clear. This, there, there, because there are some extremes when it comes to this. But let's look at what Jesus, here's how he put it again. Let's just kind of refresh our minds. A second is equally important, okay? The great commandment, love God. Second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, this term neighbor, first of all, let's just look at that for a second. Um, that's used a lot in Scripture. Probably one of the most famous places is this, but secondly would be the story of the Good Samaritan. And it's all about this, this, this Jesus, again, telling this story, gives this parable to illustrate this point that it's important to love our neighbors. And the question is asked, well, who's our neighbor, right? Like, if I'm to love my neighbors, I love myself. Who's my neighbor? Is it a person that lives in close proximity to me, like, like the next door to me? Is that's my neighbor? Well, yeah, that's my neighbor. But it's also the people that, that here's how I like to put it, it's anybody but anybody other than you. That's your neighbor. Like, I need to love everyone the way that I love myself. And if I don't learn to love myself, I'm not going to love them correctly. Now, again, got to be healthy, got to be God-honoring, because I think the reason most people have never learned to love themselves, they don't know how to do it. Because there are two extremes that we don't want to find ourselves in. And you all know that and people in these extremes you may be in one of these extremes and neither of them are god honoring and neither of them are healthy and neither of them are, are going to get you better relationships and so one extreme is the one that i think most people think of is people who love themselves a little too much you ever meet somebody like that like they're totally egotistical they are self-absorbed everything revolves around them they're number one if you've ever been around we call them narcissists if you've ever been around a narcissist it's not fun to be around these people. And the reason they, that they don't have, if you're, if you're a narcissist, you won't have a good relationship because nobody wants to be around you because you're a conceited jerk. Okay, let's just get that out there. <laughs> nobody likes a narcissist. In fact, let me give you the definition of narcissism, all right? Uh, narcissism is an excessive interest or fixation on, fixation on oneself, extreme selfishness. You know anybody like that? Are you like that? You know where that word comes from? I've shared this before, but I find this very interesting. Narcissism comes from the word, uh, from, from a Greek legend, Greek mythology. There was a character named Narcissus. And this guy was, as the legend has it, he was so handsome that he was infatuated with his own beauty. And he, he didn't, I mean, he didn't care about anybody else. He was all about himself. And he just, like, everywhere he went, he just thought about himself. And because he was so beautiful, he, one day he was down, uh, there was a pond. He was going to get a drink. So he went down there to get a drink. And when he did, he saw his reflection in the water. And as legend has it, that he saw his reflection, he thought, man, I am so handsome, so beautiful, that he could not pull himself away. And he eventually died there because he couldn't stand the fact of leaving himself in that beauty. That's where the word comes from. And that is obviously not the extreme anybody needs to be in. In fact, the Bible tells us that we should never be there in multiple, multiple places. It talks all about humility and not being proud 
The Bible says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Well, here's what the Apostle Paul said in another place in Philippians. He said, don't be selfish. Okay, so listen to this, these thoughts. He's speaking to believers. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourself. You're not number one, basically what he's saying. Don't look out for your own, only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. And he says this. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Paul said, hey, hey look, here's what you need to do if you want to improve your relationships. You need to, you need to humble yourselves. You need to consider other people as better than you. Look at their interests rather than yours first. And if you're really struggling in how that all works and how's that supposed to, how you're you supposed to pull that off, then you, you need to do is you need to look to Jesus because Jesus is our example. And he, gives, he talks about this. He said, Jesus, fully God, right, comes in the form of a man, humbles himself and comes to this broken world and, and, and walks the earth and then humbles himself by dying a criminal's death on a cross for our sins. I mean, that's humility. That's servanthood. That's putting others' interests above your own. This is how we should live our lives. Not the extreme that says, hey, it's all about me. I'm totally self-absorbed. I'm narcissistic. I'm, I'm whatever. Okay, I'm, I'm, narciss I'm a narcissist. Let's just put it that way. I, I'm not that, right? I don't want to be that. But there's this other extreme that I think a lot of Christians fall into, and it's not healthy, and it doesn't honor God. And that's the other side of that coin where I have, like I'm self-loathing. Like, I, like I, I'm not, I have no value. I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm just kind of like in the way of everybody, and it's got this false humility almost. But that's not honoring to God because the Bible is clear that God created us in his image and God loves us and God has, says we have a, this intrinsic value that God has placed in us as his creation. So neither of these extremes is good, right? Nobody wants to be, you know, this ego guy and nobody wants to be this, like, this worm over here. We don't, we don't want that. What we want to be is find that balance where, where, where we have this, value. And I just want to submit to you that if we will do this, if we will learn to love ourselves correctly in this honoring way to God, then our relationships will, will improve with your spouse, with your kids, with your coworkers, with your classmates, with your boss. It will improve because you will, you will kind of yield a little bit of your pride and you'll, you'll try to find a place that honors God in those relationships. That's what it's all about. Now, in, in Romans chapter 12, Verse three, it says this, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give you each this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. I love that scripture because he tells us, he says, I'm giving you a warning. This is not a suggestion, this is a warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. You know what, I think a lot of times we have, and again, this falls into that ego thing, is that we kind of have this false idea of, how good we really are. And he says, don't do that. I'm warning you, don't do that. Then he says, be honest in your valuation. Like, just, God already knows you're not fooling anybody. 
Just be honest. And then he says, measure, your, measure yourself by the faith God has given each of you. Not measuring your, yourself against anybody else. This is really important because this is what a lot of us do. I'm going to show you that in just a second. He says, here's how I want you to measure yourself. You're going to compare yourself, just compare yourself to yourself in the, in the faith that God's given you. And when you do this, relationships will improve. When you learn to love you like God loves you, your relationships will improve. But how do you do that? Why do we struggle to love ourselves so much? And why do we feel like that's a bad thing? I mean, Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. It's not a bad thing, as long as it's the right, healthy way to love yourself. And that's what we're talking about. So let me give you the second point that I think a lot of people, especially in our culture, we really struggle with this. And this is, this, this is a, again, very practical point. You don't have to be perfect or look perfect for God to love you or for you to love yourself. That's a mouthful, but let's, let me slow it down. You don't have to be perfect or look perfect for God to love you or for you to love yourself. Now, hear me out on this, okay? It, I'm all about... I'm all about improvement. I think the scripture's clear that all of us should be striving for, for improvement in areas of our lives. I don't think he's, we should be satisfied with mediocrity or status quo. We're not saying that. I think any time, if I look at my life and there's some areas that, I, and there's a lot of them that I have shortcomings or things that I can improve on, I wanna, I wanna try to do that. That's good, that's healthy. As long as I'm not trying to find my worth in that. Like I, I want to be a better person. I want to be a better Christian. I want to be a better uh, husband. I want to be a better father, whatever. I, I, want, I want to improve. Nothing wrong with that. However, the standard that we hold ourselves up to many times is perfection. And let me tell you something. That is a very difficult standard to, to maintain. If, you, if your goal for yourself and in any way is perfection, you're going to fall short, and that's going to cause you to all of a sudden think I'm less than I need to be. Perfection is not a standard any of us can hold to. So I don't have to be perfect or look perfect for me to love, for God to love me or for me to love others or me to love God. I, I just, perfection's not in it. So clearing that up, let's just, let's just kind of dig into this because the fact of the matter is most people really don't love themselves because they don't feel perfect. We realize we're not, you know, we, we don't, we, we look at others, we compare ourselves to other people, and we go, I'm not, I don't measure up to that person, and that carries over into our relationships and how we love ourselves and how we love others. I read some polls this week. Listen to some of these polls. 99% of women said that they don't like the way they look. They would change something about the way they look. 94% of men said the same thing. Like they, We look in the mirror. This whole series is through the looking glass. We look in the mirror. We said this a couple weeks ago, and we don't like what we see. Because we look for, the way we're conditioned, we look for all of the areas that are imperfections in the way that we fall short. So when I look in that mirror, I look at, rather, rather than my good qualities, I tend to look at all the things that are wrong. I have some wrinkles here. You know, age is taking over. Things are sagging. You know, you just look, you know, it's just normal things that happen. But we look at that, and then we compare ourselves, and then and we have statistics like this, say 99% of women's, Say, I, I would change the way that I look. I look in the mirror and go, I don't really like this or that. Another, uh, another uh, poll that I read said that, um, uh, let me make sure I got this right before I give you these numbers, that thir only 13% of women considered themselves to be pretty. And only 28% of men considered themselves to be handsome. handsome. I mean, that's a lot of people that look at themselves, man, I, I, don't, I don't measure up. 
And what happens is it turns into this idea that, man, I, how, could I, how could God love me? Because I don't even love myself. Look at me. I'm a mess. And that's where the unhealthy part of this comes in. Another poll, Reader's Digest poll, said this. Over 50% of the people surveyed said they would rather get hit by a truck than gain 150 pounds. You see how, see how we've been conditioned? We're, we're, we're in a culture that has brainwashed us to believe that our value is based on how we, how we look or how we perform. And when we don't measure up, we'd say things like this, I'd rather get hit by a truck than gain 150 pounds, as if that's where my value is. Can I just tell you this? We, the problem most of us have is we, we live in a social media age, and we go on social media, and we're getting these snapshots of people and their lives, which is it's, it's, it's so fake, because we get a snapshot of a person, and they put it on their Instagram page, or you see a little short TikTok video of somebody who's living their best life, and they, they want to convince you that they've got it all together, and so you look at these people, and it's all through filters, but you look at them, and let's just be honest, they look better than us, they're more fit than we are, they have whiter teeth than we have, they have better hair than we have, they, they, have, they take cooler vacations than we take, and it's just like, I don't measure up. Can I give you two words to maybe help you? Stop comparing. Just stop it. That's why Paul said, if you want to measure something, who you are, measure it by the faith that God has given you, not about anybody else. Because the fact of the matter is that God loves you because he loves you, not because you, you know, not because you, are, you have whiter teeth. Or, God loves you. It doesn't matter if you have six-pack abs or buns of steel or you don't. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. God does God loves you even if you, like, you're, like you don't have white teeth or you have bad breath. Or God loves you even if you don't take the vacation to Bora Bora. God loves you if, if you gained 150 pounds. God loves you. And you can't change that. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to look at ourselves and go, well, I just, I just don't feel adequate because I look at everybody else and their lives are better than mine and I don't look as good as that person and, and that person's got more than me and, 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 and that's where we get messed up. Let me tell you how God feels about you. Psalm 139. Psalmist says, speaking to God, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. Can you imagine looking in a mirror and having that attitude? Like instead of saying, looking in the mirror and go, oh, I hate what I see. Like the psalmist, look in the mirror and go, Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. Can you imagine saying that? That'd probably be on that narcissism, but you know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> it goes on to say, you watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. By the way, if you are not sure when life begins, let me tell you that God, you are life long before you come out of the womb. That's what the scripture says. You saw me before I was born. Every day in my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you're still with me. 
I mean, the psalmist is saying, God, you knew me. You knit me together. You created me. You made me so wonderfully complex. You know that, and I said this again a couple weeks ago, but when God created you, he threw away the mold. Like, you are totally unique. There is not another person on the face of the universe that is exactly like you. They might, you might have like your, your, your double, you look at someone, I look just like you. But they're not. I mean, even Simon's twins are, are different because there's like this DNA thing and, and God makes us so unique and you have gifts and abilities and talents and passions and interests and, 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 and you're just different than the next person. And because you have, the, if your eyes are blue or brown or green, God gave those to you. It's what he wanted you to have. God, God created us. And I think we do God an injustice every time we look at the flaws and go, well, look how, what a mess I am. I don't think that gives credit to God. Now, again, it's not saying don't take care of yourself or don't try to improve or if you, you know, lose extra weight or stay healthy. Do those things, of course. But your value is not based on those things. He said, every day of my life, was already laid out before I'd even had a first day. Ephesians chapter two, Paul, Paul says this, for we are God's masterpiece. Everybody say, I'm a masterpiece. We're all a bunch of narcissists now. <laughs> We're God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we could do the good things he planned for us long ago. I love this verse because masterpiece is a word that we all understand. I mean, we get it. A masterpiece really is a defining work for an artist. That's their masterpiece. That's why they call it that. So you take a Rembrandt, Picasso, you know, whatever, any of those famous artists, and, if, and their masterpiece is the, their best that they've done. Now, they have a lot of great paintings, but their masterpiece is the one, when they get done with their masterpiece, this, it's basically, this is the best I got. I, don't, I cannot do any better than this. I might as well take up another hobby or profession. I might as well put up the paintbrush because I can't do better than this one because this is the best work that I've got. And if you know anything about these paintings, what's crazy about it is the value of the painting has really not that much to do with the painting if it were not for the fact that of that signature in the corner. My four-year-old granddaughter paints a lot better than some of these people selling these paintings for millions of dollars. I'm just telling you. But they got their name in the corner and they're recognized as an authority in whatever that is they're doing. And so if that says Picasso in the corner rather than Charlotte, my granddaughter, then it's going to be worth a whole lot more to somebody, not to me, but to somebody else. That's what God, when God says we are God's masterpiece, when God created you, he took and he looked at you and he said, I might as well just put down the, you know, the brush because I can't do better than that. That's the best I got. It's my defining work and here's how I know the value of it. I've signed my name on their heart. That's where our value is. It's not in these external things. It's not, and when we get this right, listen, when we get this right, it'll have a ripple effect in every area of your life, when I learned this idea that Jesus taught here, that I need to love God with all my heart, soul, and mind, and I need to love my neighbor as myself, and when I get that 
myself thing figured out and dialed in, then my neighbor, the people that I'm loving out here, they're going to feel the effects of it, and it's going to be good. It's going to be healthy. And they're going to feel more love, and I'm going to have deeper relationships. Because as we mentioned a little bit ago, we were not created to do life alone, that we're in relationships. It's just part of it, and, and there's always potential for conflict, but we can minimize that when we learn to love ourselves because I'm going to love you the way I love myself, and if, I, if I'm healthy and I love myself in a healthy way, I'm going to love you in a healthy way. But if I'm not, if I'm all jacked up inside and I'm unhealthy and I don't really love myself, then it's going to come out in all my relationships, and you're going to feel the brunt of that. In some way, you're going to feel the brunt of that. There's going to be there's going to be an edge to that relationship all the time. And that's unhealthy, and we don't want to be there. But here's the deal. Here's what this whole series. Let me just bring it back into the relationships. When we discover who we are, let me back it up even a step further. When we discover whose we are, let's start there. When we discover whose we are, then we will discover who we are. And when we discover who we are, we will learn to love who God created us to be We'll love ourselves in a God-honoring, healthy way, and that will have a ripple effect into every area of our lives. Every relationship, the relationship with your spouse, the relationship with your kids, the relationship with your friends, the relationship with that person in the next cubicle over from you, the relationships even with people that you normally wouldn't get along with too well, the relationships with those kids in your school that, that you're, you know, walking the halls with, it will have an effect when we put into practice the word of God in our lives. But let's start with that first part as we close. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus, you can have good relationships. I'm not saying that that is not possible. You, I know a lot of people who do not, followers of Jesus have good relationships, but you will never have the depth of relationship that God wants you to have, because that only comes when you learn to love yourself the way that God loves us, and when you understand that, that will change everything, so if you're here, or you're watching online, and you've never given your heart, your life, made a commitment to Jesus Christ, that's where it begins, Jesus, others, yourself, Today, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. We sang a lot of great songs. Our worship team led us. Some amazing songs. But I'm going to tell you this. Until you give your life to Jesus, you're just singing songs. When you give your life to Jesus, it becomes meaningful. And I want to encourage you today, if you've never taken that step, why not leave differently than you came in? Why not humble yourself, admit that you've fallen short in your sin and you need a Savior. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. And beyond that, I'm going to pray for all of us as we go out these doors that we will take to heart what we talked about. I'll learn to love myself the way that God sees me so that I can love him and others better. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word that transforms our lives. It's amazing, God, how practical this book is. And yet many people don't realize it. It's, for many people, it's just a mysterious book that sits on a shelf, not realizing the truth that we have right in front of us. And as practical as it is, God, I know that it's also powerful. 
So I'm praying, God, that you would move in power today and that you would touch the hearts and the lives of people who maybe have never said yes to Jesus. They've, they've thought about it. They've considered it, but they've put it off. They've procrastinated for one reason or another. But today is the day of salvation for some because today is the day they're going to confess that they're a sinner in need of a Savior. And if that's you, and you know who you are, and God knows who you are, and you, 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 right now you feel that tug inside of your heart, that's the Holy Spirit working on you. That's his way of saying, come on, don't put it off any longer. And if that's you, maybe just offer up a prayer from your heart of commitment, something like this, Jesus, today, I place my faith, my trust, my life in your hands. I thank you that you did sacrifice. You humbled yourself and came and died a criminal's death on a cross for me. And I invite you to be my Lord and my Savior today. Lord, I pray for all of us because we're all in tons of relationships. And some of them are super healthy, but some are really unhealthy. And for those maybe today that are in that unhealthy relationship, maybe possibly something from the word today will help them recognize the reason that the relationships are, are maybe not as good as they could be because they really don't love themselves. So God, help us to not fall in that, that ego side or help us to not fall in that self-loathing side, but to find that balance in the middle where we find our value and whose we are so that we can improve all the areas of our lives. Thank you, God, for making us so wonderfully complex, for calling us your masterpiece, and for having a plan for our lives. We love you. In the name of Jesus.